Welcome to episode 81 of the Nutanix Community Podcast with Dwayne Lesnar and Angelo Luciani. Let's get started. This week on the podcast, I continue my talk with NPX Renee Vandenbetum about education and certification. This is part two of the series. We talk about certifications in general, tactics, career growth, and what to do on the day of the exam. Now is a great time to restart your certification journey. Quick plug here, check out Nutanix.com forward slash certifications for special deals and offers. Let me know on Twitter if we helped encourage you to get a certification this year. So with that, let's join the conversation. Welcome back, Renee. Hey, Angela. We had a great discussion in part one, lots of community feedback, and as well, lots of questions. So let's get right into it. First question, when should you get certified? And I guess the context around that is when in my career as a, as a, someone starting out, as someone who's been, a, who, who's established, et cetera. So when should you be certified? Uh, so I think it's very important to pick the certification that matches where you're at. So if you're only one year out of university, going for an expert level cert or a master level cert probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Uh, that's where in your first uh, one or two years um, of working in whatever part of IT you're in, it probably makes sense to go wide. So you should be targeting multiple associate certs and professional certs uh, and obviously the training that goes hand in hand with that uh, to get some breadth. And then as you go through the first 10 years of your career, you'll work out what you enjoy doing because obviously um, the, more, the more you enjoy uh, your job, the less work it will seem. Um, so once you pick the area that you want to be a, a subject matter expert, right, so a technical expert, that's when you would start going deep um, and moving into the advanced expert and master level certifications for whatever you're specializing in. Yeah, that's always been my dilemma. You know, it's, it's from, from the past, I've always, there's been times where I, I've tried to get an, a multiple certs in different, uh, verticals. Right. And then I felt yeah. like I was just acquiring, um, like I was, I, I knew the, the content and I was getting certified, but I've just felt like I was get I was just looking at, um, getting the number of certs, right. Oh, I'm, uh, I have five different certs. Oh, now I have seven different certs. Right. But I think as, as I guess a lot of us get deeper into our careers, I, I'm starting to think and I have, uh, I have a feeling it, it, it's, it's more, it might be, uh, I'm struggling even with coming up with the words, but I, I want to say a little, it's more important to go deep maybe on, on particular technologies. Quality, not quantity. Right. I would agree with that. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and and you're talking to a self self confessed certification enthusiast because <laughs> uh, obviously the more certs that you get, and I've got hundreds of them, uh, they only last for maybe two to three years, and then you're on the certification treadmill. Um, so definitely, it's a great way to measure skill, but you do have to be mindful of the fact that the that these things do expire, particularly the associate, professional, and advanced certs. And then you've got to recertify. So uh, there you have to make a decision about the amount of effort that you want to put into recertification and maintaining um, that skill set. Yeah. And like you mentioned in, in the last podcast, 
the certs are really an icing on the cake, right? Of, of what you, you already know. And it's a great way just for, um, to give you a level of confirmation. It is for sure. Cause I've done, I've done certs in the past for things that I upskilled on, uh, got certified. And then a year later, two years later, it's time to recertify. And I pick up the blueprint and look at it and go, oh, I can barely remember these technologies because I'm not using them day in, day out. So definitely focusing on quality and not quantity is, 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 it's a, it's a great way to, to play the game. Right. And what is, what's, what's the process for getting certified? And the reason I asked this question is because in this new working from home uh, environment, things have changed slightly, haven't they? I mean, before it was, you had to go to, um, to a testing center um, and, and go through the process, but, but now things have, have changed. Do you want to touch on that? Yeah. So, so Nutanix was always remote proctored was allowed. So that's where your your office becomes a test center. So all the surfaces need to be clean. No paper, no nothing, all doors shut. You've got to have your ID. Uh, you have to do a security scan of the of the room remotely. Uh, you need to be in frame on your on the camera of your laptop the entire time, right? So Nutanix has always done this. But a lot of other vendors out there, they there was a requirement for you to be on site at a Pearson View test, test centre or a Prometric test centre uh, and you go in and you do the exam on site, right? And obviously the downside of being on site is you need to travel there and get back. You've got to fight traffic. Uh, the test centres sometimes don't have very fast internet and they have really outdated equipment and uncomfortable chairs and uncomfortable tables. Uh, So it could be quite a challenge to take a test on site. Um, Now, obviously, with COVID and the lockdown, most of the industry has now completely switched to to remote proctored. Uh, And I would probably argue that that, now that switch has been made, they've made that investment, I'd don't think we're going to be going back to uh, on-site testing, uh, mandatory on-site testing, right? You will always have the choice. So it's going to make it very easy for people to get certified, right, because you can do it in the comfort of your office. Yeah, picking a date and booking the exam is um, gets a lot easier now to, to some degree, right? Certainly does, yep. For those that are new to taking exams online, um, there are different types of questions. Maybe you can just walk through some of the different types of questions people can expect to see in uh, taking an exam. Yep. So the most basic form of test that you have, particularly in IT, is the single multiple choice question. So there you go through and uh, look at the three or four options that they have, and then you're selecting, ticking the boxes. Uh, In the more advanced exams, you will have uh, drag and drop scenarios where they'll pose a question or a design scenario and you need to go through and match match uh, the different tags uh, to answer the question. Uh, VMware had something that was called the Visio tool there for quite a while. So there for design exams, what would happen is they would uh, uh, pose a, a set of requirements, constraints and assumptions, and then you would have to go through and drag the technology uh, boxes onto it and then connect them all together, right, to create a logical design. 
Then we have live labs. So that's typical of the VMware certified advanced professional um, deploy exams and also the CCIE exams, right? So there you have access to a lab and then you'll have a lab guide where they are asking you to do a particular set of tasks. And those exams typically run from four to eight hours. And then we have things like CCNA and CCMP, which have a CLI simulator. So they'll have a bunch of single choice, multiple choice questions, and then they'll have maybe one or two CLI simulator questions where they'll say something like, hey, please create a VLAN, uh, add an IP address to that, enable routing, test it, and then you would move on to the next question. So the, the key here is there's a variety of questions that you should be prepared for. And I, and I believe typically in the blueprints, it's, it, it will outline, um, or somewhere on the exam page, it will outline the type of what you can expect in terms of types of questions, um, on the exam. Yes. Yeah. So that's covered in the blueprint. And then last not least is obviously the expert level and the master level, uh, design certifications where you need to submit a design. That gets reviewed and then you go in front of a panel and the panel will ask you to defend the design that you submitted and then uh, they will ask you to go through a design exercise where they provide the requirements you need to whiteboard uh, and they will also possibly have a troubleshooting section where they'll propose a problem. Here's what's happening. Can you please help us troubleshoot it? And that's typically in front of a panel. Right. And that's always that's always a little uh, more stressful, <laughs> if you will, when you're in front of people trying to it solve is. an issue. And that's one of the most common complaints from NPXs and VCDXs and Dell EMC certified master enterprise architects who are going through that process. Uh, it's the soft skills, you know, right. and this is where you you really can't fake it. You need to have those skills. You need to have developed those in front of the customer as part of your career. And then you can leverage those skills in, in those types of scenarios. Whereas if you don't have those skills, it's an incredibly stressful time. Right. And when you're picking a date to write your exam, Renee, are you are you sort of just opening up the calendar, um, looking out maybe three months from now and saying, okay, I'm going to write this exam on this date and then work backwards towards that date? Or, or, do, yep. you, or do you just sort of study, 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 and then feel comfortable and then sort of open up the calendar and say, okay, you know what, I'm going to take this exam sort of next week because I feel I feel ready. Yeah, um, right. So if it's something that I'm recertifying on, so I've done it before and all I need to do is um, upskill on that tiny gap, whatever the new technology ads have been. Um, so for professional exams, I'll give myself one day of study before. So I'll block out one day of study, and then the following day is when I take the exam. If it's advanced professional, i.e. lab-based, you know, like a, a four-hour exam, there I like to give myself three days of prep, and then one day after I take the exam. Um, and if it's completely new, I've never touched the technology before, uh, for professional, I like to give my – in fact, for professional, I prefer to go on the training course, right, to the formal training course, get upskilled, and then take the exam the week after. And if I don't have that, then I have to follow the blueprint and look for community community blogs, vendor documentation, all that kind of thing um, to, to get the right skills, right, so that I can 
I can take the test. Um, and for advanced, that's probably three to four weeks. If I've never done that advanced exam before, never touched that technology, uh, it's probably four weeks of preparation. This is not, this kind of schedule is not for everybody, right? So, um, no, right. Yeah. We're, we're just giving you kind of like an insight into how, um, Renee kind of schedules out his, his exams. So, uh, any tips and tricks you can share tactics you can share with, um, the broader community on, on taking exams? Yes. Yep. So like you said, pick a date and don't touch that date and plan towards it. Just make sure it's a realistic schedule. Um, don't, don't search for perfect scores. What you want to do is meet the blueprint. Um, if you try and hunt for getting 100% on, a, on every single one of those exams, what, it happens, what happens is it actually cripples your progress. Uh, and at the end of the day, once you get certified, right, no one will ever see that score. That's something that's that's private to you. So it really doesn't matter, to be honest, particularly for the professional exam. So I must say that the Nutanix certified professional does a good job of the single choice, multiple choice questions. Uh, and also AWS. AWS does a great job of their multiple choice and single choice questions. And what I mean by that is they've done a great job of protecting the uh, the exam content and the answers to the questions are very, very subtle. And you have to be so careful that when you go through them that you don't just read the first one that seems to be right and then tick the box, right? Because typically there's going to be a, a term in there um, uh, or a little piece of information where you'll go, ooh, that doesn't actually work with that technology. That's the wrong way of doing it. Uh, and then also in how they ask the questions, they may say to you, what is the most cost-efficient way to do this, right? And the one that you initially select is probably going to be the Rolls-Royce option, right? It's too expensive. So you, you're looking for something a little more uh, out of the box um, uh, uh, that's easier, uh, to implement, right, and cheaper to implement. Those are great points. And I always tell people um, uh, in terms of um, fa failing your first exam, I always tell people don't get discouraged by it. I mean, it's, it's sort of a great yep. signal um, of letting you know maybe where you need to focus a little more because a lot of these exams will tell you at, at the end um, where you might have been a little weaker versus uh, stronger. And it's a and it's a great way to kind of zero in and focus. I mean, I always recommend to to sort of look over everything. But if there's particular areas that that you might be a little weak in, it's a great way to kind of zero in and spend a little additional time in in that. Um, well, how do you feel about that? For sure, definitely. Uh, I always give my two myself two two attempts to pass. So the first one, uh, if I pass, great. But if not. That's fine because I'll get the uh, the exam feedback, you know, where that's aligned to the blueprint, and it will tell me the blueprint areas that I was weak in, and that is what I focus on uh, when I'm going for the second attempt. Thanks, Renee. Lots of gems in this episode. Join us next week for part three of this series on education and certification. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to check out all the great content on the Nutanix community at next.nutanix.com. There you'll find our community blog, updates on Nutanix user groups, and of course, Nutanix certification and education information. So with that, from your friends here at Nutanix, have a great week.